Hi everyone, and welcome back to Fast Charge. Uh, I am joined this week, we've got a full house, we've got Toddy, Hannah and Lewis all on the stream with you. Uh, this is what, the third time we've gone live? And something's gone wrong, something small has gone wrong every week. So let's see, you know, touch wood. Um, <laughs> I've had quite a big week in my personal life this week. I have a new tattoo, you might be able to see. Uh, I found a banging recipe for a sausage and lentil stew that I'm definitely going to try again. And I have a first date lined up tonight. Ooh. I think it's fair to say this has not been such an exciting week in the world of smartphones. <laughs> <laughs> Love not that segue. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah. I wonder where we were going. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to set things off on like too like downbeat a note, but there have not been any huge phone launches this week. There is no like groundbreaking new event, no hardware we can sort of uh, reveal that we've never seen before. But there are some uh, few bits and pieces we picked out that we think are worth talking about. So, no further ado. First up, we have the admittedly very surprising and unexpected news that BlackBerry is coming back. There is going to be a new BlackBerry phone next year with a physical keyboard. Okay. Uh, second up, uh, ZTE, the Chinese phone monolith, have announced that they are actually ready to unveil a full retail phone with an under-display selfie camera, i.e. one that you cannot see while you're using the phone. And finally, Lewis has been playing around with the Nubia watch, which is the sort of flexible OLED display smartwatch that has launched its Kickstarter, I think this week, I think we're like day three or four of the Kickstarter. Uh, so yeah, let's kick things off with BlackBerry. So just a little like recap, BlackBerry was made by, I think the company called Research in Motion, RIM, mm -hmm. made BlackBerry phones forever. Uh, they then decided in 2016 that they could not make money making BlackBerry phones anymore, which, you know, was okay. a long time coming, but inevitable. Uh, at that point, TCL stepped in and they bought a license to make phones with the BlackBerry brand name. They did that for four years. They put out a few phones, basically the Key 1 and the Key 2 and some variants thereof. The last one they actually released was in 2018, so two full years ago. Then February this year, after a year and a half of no phones coming out, they announced that, yeah, they weren't making any money making BlackBerry phones, so they were going to stop <laughs> doing that because they like making money and BlackBerrys don't sell. Uh, what's a bit weird is that then the twist in the tale is that now another startup has come forward. They have bought the rights to make new hardware with the BlackBerry brand, and they are going to put out a phone next year. So BlackBerry has died and been revived, died again and been revived again. Um, I, I just first up want to take bets, like how how many phones do we think these guys can put out before they also give up on BlackBerry? I think two. I think yeah. we get two yeah. more phones. Yeah. I think they'll write off the first one. They'll be like, it's okay, we can do better with the second one. And then when the second one inevitably flops, they'll be like, maybe there's a reason why everybody else stopped doing this. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of amazing. I love the the startup energy of looking at a brand that has died twice already and saying no we've got this like <laughs> we see the space in the market that we can nail i mean it's just uh, yeah i think part of it's just that the, the, the uh, nostalgia of blackberry as a brand isn't it because i mean for me yeah. personally blackberry was was the thing when i was um kind of in college beginning of uni and stuff like that everybody had blackberries everybody had bbm and it was the, the exciting thing and even now even though i know i wouldn't use a blackberry as my my daily phone <laughs> yeah. i still want one yeah it doesn't stop me from wanting one it's i like want that physical keyboard back I know. <laughs> it's the, um, but it's the sort of marketing and stuff that's been put out by this that's confusing me a little bit, like the messaging, because mm. I think the angle they're sort of going for, because I guess it's startup vibes and everything, it's all a bit all over the place, because it's kind of like, mm. you know, well, it's like, a, it's like a business phone, you know, with the keyboard and everything. And it's like, yeah, that message may have worked, like, you know, 10 years ago, but, you know, it just what? seems a bit, a bit think, of an odd one. You know I, I think, think they're testing the water mm. a bit to see what's going to stick. Yeah. Um, the company, they're called onward mobility i think they um they're, they're a startup they're based in texas um they they sort of their pitch is that they make secure devices this is the first device they're trying to make but it's certainly like the angle they seem to be taking is this is a corporate phone it's an enterprise thing and it will be secure they're also talking about productivity but actually the word they keep using is secure and security so i think that's how they're going to lean into it is that again yeah going after that business demographic and going after companies to buy this for their workers and really leaning into the cybersecurity side of it. Um, it is worth saying they have put out a statement making it clear they will also sell it to consumers because I think a couple of mm. sites weren't sure and there was a bit, you know, they got queried and they have come back and said, yeah, we are also releasing this to consumers. But that doesn't feel like the focus to me. 
think also what's one thing that they haven't touched on, which like when I was looking at this phone, I guess it just doesn't apply to Blackberries, but any phone with a keyboard in general, is that I feel one of the big selling points of something like that is like accessibility. So, you know, people who perhaps have like sight issues or older people who prefer mm. to have like physical buttons on a keyboard, but like this just isn't like touched upon at all, which I just think is a, a little bit. I mean, that was one of the main things. reason that I loved my Blackberries because I could touch type on it as I was walking along. Yeah, mm. so it's just like a keyboard with a computer. You, you get used to it. And then because you've got the physical keys, you can run your finger across them. You know exactly where they are. It's yep. not like a touchscreen where you can, you know, just misalign your thumb a little bit and then you've typed gibberish. True. It doesn't happen. <laughs> I guess the flip side of that is accessibility stuff. I mean, I'm by no means an expert, but from my understanding, it is getting better on smartphones and sort of um, uh, speak to type and stuff like that is improving all the time. Um, there's actually a YouTuber called, I can't remember his name, Ricky something, who's um, a guy who's hard of hearing in the UK and actually focuses on accessibility stuff in his videos. And I've been meaning to try and get him on the show at some point to talk about it. Yeah, Ricky's great. I've met him a couple of times and, and you know, it's that interesting sense as the stuff we'd never think about on how actually he, you know, picks out different brands that we might expect that are good. So I think he said uh, last time I saw him, he was uh, raving about how good Honor and Huawei were for accessibility. Uh, and that actually, you know, despite that, I think that may have been before all of their troubles. But, um, you know, the brands you might not maybe be the first to think of to be strong there. Um, so I think, yeah, there's definitely an element where a physical keyboard would help there. But I wonder how many people are actually going to be set in their ways on using have adapted to smartphones um without the physical keyboard the implications of what you're saying about ricky like with with the brands of especially you know, honor and huawei um for, for users in the west who maybe rely on really good quality you know assistive tools mm. losing those two brands is, is kind of a huge deal so yeah maybe yep. that's where blackberry can step in I would, I would be, I'd be very intrigued if that's the line they take. I, yeah. I think they won't. I don't think they're going to push that yeah. angle. To be honest, um, there's certainly been no mention of anything they put. Out. I mean, they haven't put out a lot. They put out a one-minute video from their CEO, um, where it's one of those uh, things where it looks a bit like a hostage video, and he's just standing against a white backdrop right. and keeps smiling awkwardly every now and then as he says, "It will have a physical keyboard." Grin for five <laughs> seconds, um, but. <clears throat> Yeah, other than that and a couple of statements, we don't know a lot about what's going to happen. Mm. Um, um, the other challenge with this stuff is always, sorry, I'll, um, they're a startup, which means they've they got small capacity. They've partnered with a Foxconn subdivision, which sense. I guess is where the manufacturing is going to come in. So they could, in theory, scale up manufacturing enough to like meet whatever demand they may or may not get. But it's so hard to know with small companies like this. Because um, the thing it reminds me of is we spoke a while ago on the show about the I'm going to get the name wrong. The Planet Computers Cosmo, I want to say. Was this like a foldable was, PDA kind of clamshell? It was the sliding or sliding or folding. I can't remember. Like a Nokia communicator? A little bit. Yeah. They're basically, they're a small British company and they do crowdfunded phones with physical keyboards. And they have been trying to be in this same space. And they're, they're going, they're on their third or fourth phone. Um, and, you know, they're making them. And I think their fans like them, but it's such a niche that they can't, they haven't hit a level where they can break out of the crowdfunding model for each new release. Um, and they're certainly not a well-known name. Whether having the BlackBerry name behind this this operation, that will obviously push it a lot further. Mm. But it's still hard to see that this is anything more than a niche interest, even in the enterprise world, right? Yeah. Um, we have one very important question thus far. Uh, uh -huh. It's nothing to do with BlackBerry, though. It's, <laughs> it's from Wilbert, who asks, uh, what does the tattoo mean? Oh, yeah, fair. Uh, so it's... Um, it's called the owl symbol or the owl cave symbol, and it's from Twin Peaks. Oh, nice. So it's just it's just nerd stuff. It's just me being <laughs> a big stuff. old... This is the right place for it, man. It's fine. It's a safe <laughs> <Yeah>. space. <laughs> uh, we embrace the nerd stuff here. Yes. Yeah. Wilbur also agrees that physical keyboards on phones are pointless. Ooh. I guess so. Yeah. I, I mean, it does mean you're sacrificing on-screen real estate, so it's going to make yeah. watching videos and stuff like that a lot worse. And then, you know, you're going to have the horrible aspect ratio because you're not going to have a 16 by 9 at the top of the... Keyboard. Yeah, that's such a compromise. Um, I do wonder, though, I guess there's an argument now if they, as bezels have shrunk and phone screens have managed to fill out the space more, I guess in a way it's better than it would have been before because you can get more screen real estate in a manageable body size while still having the keyboard. But you are obviously still giving up a third of your phone space for a keyboard that is very small and fiddly to type on. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, speaking like, be, to be honest about it, I have never owned or used a BlackBerry for any significant amount of time. Mm. I remember my dad having them when I was a kid and a teenager as his work device. Um, during that whole thing when everyone got BBM, I 
I don't know. I never gave in. Didn't give in to peer pressure. I was above that. <laughs> Stuck uh, with MSN. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> MSN was where it was at. <laughs> I was busy with my HTC Hero. Thank you very much. Nice, nice. Way so, cooler. Head of the curve. Yeah, I've, I've, I, I never had one of those proper full-size physical keyboards on a phone. I don't think I went straight from T9 to, to full screen. At the time, it's bring back of... T9. Like that's, that's my yeah, favorite. Right? That's your big takeaway. Bring back T9. Oh god, smartphone. Full smartphone with a T9 keyboard. <laughs> I was really jealous. Like I think my friend had what was it? It was a curve. Blackberry curve. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah that was curve. the one that everybody loved. Like, yeah. You know, and it was just like I remember looking at it, being like, oh, if only, I, if only. <laughs> I think I went through the entire Blackberry collection. I had the curve. I had the bold. Like all the different numbers of them. Wow. And I, I actually went a step further, and I used to customize the Blackberries because you could buy a separate like fashions online, and then you could literally just take the old fashion off, put the new one on, so I'd resell like pink and green Blackberries <laughs> when I was like. 15, 16. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> the weirdest thing I thought was when they they started experimenting with touch, U, touch UIs and they yeah. had this, I think it was called like true click or sure click. And instead of having you tapping on the screen, the whole screen, the whole panel was like a giant mouse pad no. button and the whole thing clicked in a phone. It was awful. It was a no. terrible idea, but yeah, it's very strange. Do not like, no. <laughs> um, there's actually one thing I wanted to raise because I think both Toddy and I were doing our research before the show and both of us realized this and we hadn't known. I had thought that TCL was the only company with a license to make BlackBerry phones for the last few years. But it turns out what they actually had was what I've seen described as a near global license. So actually mm. in some markets, TCL wasn't the exclusive license holder. And so actually, I think two other companies have been putting out BlackBerry phones um, in this time, just not in the West. Um, so I know there was one that's put out a couple in India hmm. and I can't remember, they were called like the Blackberry Edge or something. Something, yeah. Had it somewhere. Um, yeah, but what was interesting about them is they were clearly purely trading on the brand name because they didn't have the physical keyboards from what I could see. They were just straight up Android 8 smartphones. Um, I think emphasizing security and that kind of thing in that same way, but decided that the best way to carry the brand on was ditch the keyboard and just be... Professional phones. That's not a BlackBerry. No, no. Well, because BlackBerry <laughs> tried that as well, right? And, uh, you know, obviously it... it, it I, th I think you're right. I think TCL was right when they got the license to say the thing that makes a BlackBerry a BlackBerry is the keyboard. Mm -hmm. And the only ho hope this has is for it to work with a, with a full-size keyboard. And it didn't. Um, I don't know. I, I, I get the angle for, like, this is a professional phone. And it's, it's for business. It's secure, but... I don't know. Can you really promise better security than Apple can? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Still I'm not sure you Android. can. Yeah, true. I, I just checked, yeah. by the way, on the in BlackBerry India on their website. Um, it's the BlackBerry Evolve and Evolve, Evolve X, I think. Ooh. I knew it was an E. Yeah. Yeah. Not sure about that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm not sure when they came out, but they, they both advertised they're running 8.1 Oreos. So they're also clearly not mm. super recent. Snapdragon 660s so, as well. Yeah, so I think it's fair to say that, that you know the land's been a bit like arid for BlackBerry phones for a year or two. Um, I yeah, we'll see. We'll see what comes out. We'll see if it comes out. That's the thing. <laughs> this company has said they're going to put a phone yeah. out next year, but I mean they've announced that at the start of a global recession, uh, <laughs> and they've never made a phone before. So I would approach this with the Confidence. same sort of pinch of salt you would any crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. Um, I'm very. I don't think it's guaranteed we're ever actually going to see one of these phones. Um, a couple of questions um, since come in. They're not again directly BlackBerry related, but uh, would you suggest anyone buy a Huawei phone without Google Mobile Services? I'd say no. No. And I'm I'm reviewing an Honor phone at the moment, which you know Honor is part of Huawei, no Google Services, and I have tried my best, but I have to have a second phone. To yeah. their, and it's gotten better that they are getting better and better and better about um, the phone clone and it finding other apps from your old Android device. So if you're swapping from another Android, it will find a lot of your apps, but it's still not everything. They have, um, um, so I'm using the 9X Pro because my Pixel's on the way out, uh, but like uh, they have a thing called Petal Search now, yeah. um, mm. so which searches like other things so you can download <clears> them <throat> on things like uh, APKPO, is that right? Yeah, yeah that's that right. right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, or like, yeah, the Amazon App Store and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, just some stuff you just can't get no matter how much you try. Or like some apps just don't even work properly. Yeah. Like they've yeah. got even maps on there, but maps, it just it's just not the same. So it's it's very, very difficult if you're ingrained in the Google ecosystem already. 
And some, some apps you can get, but they won't run because some uh, use Google Play services sort of integral to their design yeah. for notifications or login or stuff like that. Like so I have a couple that I managed to install, but when I open them, they either crash immediately or they hang on login or stuff like that. And it's just clear I've successfully gotten the app, but something about it won't work without some crucial bit of Google Google. I think stuff. the oddest one that I found was that Twitter um, direct message notifications wouldn't work without Google services. Yeah, my notifications have been very patchy. It's uh, really weird, summer. yeah. Messenger's been really patchy for me. Yeah, mm. um, yeah I mean, um, yeah, so, lots of thought. <laughs> I think we're all in agreement there, basically. I think no. the, on, the only way I would recommend anyone buy one of these is if you are rich enough to buy it as a second phone. Or just um, be in yeah. China. And if you're in a position where you... Buy as a point-and-shoot camera. Yeah, exactly. If, if you if you can basically buy a, a one of the high-end Huawei or Honors and use it as a camera, like great it's probably more you know it's gonna be more affordable than an actual camera and it will be amazing and they are better cameras than a lot of other flagship phones and on a hardware level they're still amazing but even then it's still like it just makes more sense to buy the one phone and buy the one high-end flagship that's going to have a camera that's almost as good as the huawei um or maybe even better without having to lug two devices around so and i don't know if we mentioned but side loading is getting harder and harder now yeah. isn't it like yeah, don't don't buy one thinking it's all right. I can get Google on there. You oh, yeah. might be able to, but there's just no guarantees anymore, and, and it might break, and you won't. You know, yeah. And one other quick question from Nicole is: What phones do we all have? Which I would say, what phones are we using right now is probably the best question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Lewis, you're holding something Pro up. Max. The Pro Max. Pro Max. Pro Max. My daily driver. Have nice. to have an iPhone. I would say that's a, on... such a huge phone, but then of course I've currently still got the Note 20 Ultra, so that's. <laughs> Yeah, well, the all next level big. of ridiculous. I know, I've got 9X Pro. I do have the Pixel 3 in my bag, but I'm not going to show it to you because it's in a bit of a poor state. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm in a bit of a like glut of reviews at the moment. So I've got a TCL 10 5G I've just finished with. Uh, that's the Honor 30 Pro Plus. <laughs> And that <laughs> is the Vivo X50 Pro Plus. Is that all? Is that so, all you got done? <laughs> that's all I'm on right he's got, now. He's got another one this somewhere, week I'm pretty sure. <laughs> But I, if, if the question is which one I would normally use, the, the one I will go back to when I'm done with these is the OnePlus 8 Pro. Yeah. That's the one in the cupboard that's the, like, whenever I'm not reviewing something, the sim will go back space. in space. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel okay. That's <laughs> how I feel with my iPhone. I go to Android for when I'm reviewing stuff. You know, I've got, I'm used to Android now. I've been doing this job for mm -hmm. a good few years. But then I just, yeah, I go back to my iPhone. I'm like, ah, oh, this is nice. <laughs> this, is, this is where I belong. <laughs> Uh, right, okay, I guess it's a good time to move on to segment two. Mm -hmm. So, um, the ZTE Axon 20 is going to be, we think, unless someone like beats them to it by days, which would be hilarious, uh, it should be the first phone in the world to ship with an under-display selfie camera in the sense of one that's not a punch-on, not a pinhole, you cannot see the camera lens, it's completely underneath the screen, hidden by the screen, but then it, it can sort of look through the screen to take photos of you. Um, worth flagging, we've seen this tech before, which is kind of why I downplayed at the start. Like, there's nothing revolutionary here. We have seen both Oppo and Xiaomi. I think that's it. But certainly those two have shown off that they have this tech working. Mm -hmm. But they've only shown it in concept devices. Um, Oppo showed it to some journalists last year. We didn't see it, but I know Engadget China saw it. It was, in, um, um, it was on the Oppo Inno day. Oh, did you see it when you were mm -hmm. out at their office? Oh, I was going to ask um, about that. I forgot you had, yeah. Uh, so we, yeah. So Hannah has seen one of these, which is cool. Uh, I've, I've not seen any. Xiaomi has one, which I don't think they've shown anyone, but they've shown a video. But this is the first one actually in a phone that people will be able to buy. It's going to get launched on September 1st, but China only. So that's the kind of big caveat to all this. It is a going to be a Chinese phone. It may get some release in other like East Asian markets, I guess. Um, and I think the last ZT flagship got some like launched in like the Nordics or something. So it may even make it to parts of the West, but I really wouldn't expect it in the US or the UK at the very least. Yeah, the, the ZTE, uh, hang on, ZTE Axon 10 Pro or Z10 Plus, something like that, <laughs> yes, that yeah. released in China, the Nordics and the Middle East. Okay, right. Um, but there is a ban on ZTE selling phones in the UK. So we're definitely not going to see there? it. Yeah, there's actually an actual, that. yeah, they are a high risk vendor. I didn't know that. Which... I knew they were a part of some of the some of the anti Huawei bans from the US have also covered it. Did you not wonder why their phones just kind of fizzled out of our market completely? 
Like, have you seen uh, a Zeti phone on the shelves in like the last five years? No, I think I ever saw one yeah, in the first yeah. place. Yeah, I don't try it. I I remember when Zeti back when Nvidia was putting chips in phones. Uh, Zeti had a partnership with Gano, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a UK reference, but Professor Green was their brand ambassador. Nice. <laughs> and I was at an event. And I met Professor Green and played wow. with the Zeti oh, wow. something or other. It was like I don't know. It was fine. The logo actually. You name dropping. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> check me out. The logo on the phone actually in the review sample literally fell off when I took it out of the box, which wasn't a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> I would say nowadays they look like they're making good phones. The Axon looks like an in, like a pretty yeah. nice device, aside from the obvious kind of exciting feature. I mean, they're they're a huge company. They they are one of the big Chinese manufacturers. So yeah, I, yeah they are. I, I assume that means most of what they're making is is pretty solid. Um, I think it, they aren't the company you'd associate with hitting these like first to market things. I would normally expect someone like Vivo or often the people who first like do like we've done the first phone that does this um, and, and Xiaomi and Oppo also both do like to. So I think it's interesting. It's a clearly a big push by Zeti to get the attention for, for doing the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, do What do we think of these on display cameras? Do we think people are going to care or do we think people don't mind seeing a camera on the front of their phone? I personally don't really care because I, I i can deal with the notch on an iphone i can deal with the whole punch cow on on a lot of the androids that i use well, but and that being said a lot of people hate it don't they well there's an uh, there's other options like i'm just going to show you what's on uh this one that i've got now like you know there's like pop-up ones like that which, oh yeah you know hmm. you manage to still keep a full screen but you know it's in there i know obviously it's not yeah. probably as good a quality or whatever as what you'd have under display but like well, I think no, the, the thing with pop-ups is just the mechanical risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, yeah, I yeah. actually like them. And I, I'm actually excited for this stuff because I loved the OnePlus 7 Pro, which was full screen and had the pop-up. And I was a bit sad when they moved away from the pop-up to a, to a punch hole because I just love that looking at a phone and all you've got is a screen. I think that's I, I do find that very satisfying. I don't hate the punch holes, but there's something really great about looking at it and seeing nothing that interrupts the display. I think the that's display. why the um, Zenfone 6 was my favorite phone from last year because it had the flip camera Set yes. up. Yeah. So you, Stuff you, like that. you get to use yeah. the actual rear facing cameras on the front. It's like, yeah. And it's just, a, yeah, loved it. Absolutely. Uh, loved I, it. I equally understand whenever I show these phones to other people, they always go, that's cool, but when's it going to break? <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't think they do. I've never heard any reports of these things breaking really easily. I've never had problems with any of the um, pop up cameras I've used on quite a few different phones, both cheap ones and high end. But people clearly worry about it. People clearly look at that. And I think it must put a lot of buyers off. And they see it and just think, oh, that's a risk. That's going to break. Um, yeah, it... I mean, I had like two very different reactions. I showed one friend in, and she was like, oh my God, wow, that's really cool. And then I showed another friend, and she was like, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people do have that reaction as well. Some people think it's cool. I've had other people go, why are you using that horrible thing? Uh, so I'm kind of excited. I think it's been a funny thing where for a while it looked like they were going to be the future of smartphones. And then it took so long for this tech. It must be harder than people thought because it's actually taken years for this to happen after punch holes. I think people thought the transition would be sooner than this. And in that time, folder walls have become established. And so I think there's going to be, it's harder to pitch this as the future of phones Mm. when everyone's like, well, we've seen the future of phones. It was in half. Um, (laughs) I mean, if you, if you try and think about the actual engineering, like somersaults that, have to be performed to achieve this i think mm. it's actually generally an incredibly challenging like problem yeah. problem that yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, i guess users have raised not um yeah because obviously you need to be able to have a camera that can see between the spaces in pixels in a display panel and then you have to correct the camera's sight almost what the camera can see so that it doesn't look like it's looking through a screen door yeah mm-hmm. i i don't know how the heck they've approached that the fact they've actually got one in a phone that they're going to sell i think genuinely is very very impressive even if it's not something that people have been clamoring for just as a technical achievement hats off it's, to them i'd say yeah, yeah. it's yeah. super cool tech um yeah. the caveat to that then is as you said there are all the hurdles to overcome and that raises worries about picture quality for me yes, yes. and i have a i have the counterpoint to this ready and waiting but like i know <laughs> Um, some people who tried out the Oppo one said it kind of had a bit of a haze to the photos. Um, Hannah, when you kind of got to see it, did you actually manage to take a photo with it? Or I didn't were you know not allowed because to? it was it was very there, there were a few people that got to do it, but it was like we only had like a limited time sure. in there, so I sort of got to see it from conveniently. Afar, but, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, but like yeah, from the end, uh, like from the footage I saw, like it was fine like you know like it wasn't anything like notably wrong like you, mm. you could see the camera 
like from a certain angle like if the light hit it just right you could see yeah through the screen where it was um so i guess it's not like completely uh covered up but um yeah there was nothing notable from what i saw but i didn't actually get to see it hands off so right yeah um i mean yeah so i i think that's always going to be a question mark for a lot of people and i think if they've overcome that then amazing I worry. I basically. I think my feeling is it maybe won't quite match the best best selfie cameras, but it'll probably still be good. Yeah. Part of the advantage it will have, which is is something I won't take credit for this idea, because basically Xiaomi raised this when they were talking up their tech, is that one of the benefits of this is that with with the punch holes and the pinholes and the notches, there's been a pressure to make that as small as possible, which means making the camera as small as possible, the lens small, the sensor small, all of that to squeeze it into as little screen real estate as possible. And they kind of said one of the freeing things about doing an under-display camera is it doesn't matter how big it is because you're not <laughs> going to see it anyway. So actually they can put in a bigger image sensor yeah. and get a better camera that then will maybe suffer because it's got this weird lens situation going on. But at least like the sensor you can put in could be a better one than you could manage in a punch hole or a pinhole um, without that like worry a... about impacting it. Yeah, that's really like interesting. From a build perspective, like, I don't know whether this would encounter, but say if you like you smashed your screen. So would that phone be, do you think that would be way harder to fix that than one that had a camera just as normal? Like, cause that might be a worry for some people potentially. Uh, you mean that's going to depend so much on how they construct it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Having watched mm -hmm. a few uh, Jerry Riggs everything videos where mm -hmm. he tears phones, literally tears them apart. Um, and a few other videos about phone repairs. It looks like the screen is, Typically, the hardest component to repair anyway, and it usually requires you to take the back off and kind of go from the yep. back front. That's what I found when I tried to fix the phone. <laughs> so I don't think it, I can't imagine it'll be any harder than it already is. Um, the only thing I wonder is whether the front camera module is bonded to the display itself. That was basically my thought. Yeah. And yeah, the complications of that. But I can't imagine it's a huge yeah. difference between just having to basically take the phone apart in its entirety anyway. So yeah, that's... I imagine it's only a little bit harder. It would probably, though, it might raise more concerns about making sure you were getting a legit replacement pot because if there's something special to the display as well as to the camera, then yeah. someone who's just making a screen that will fit might be the wrong type and then might screw up your camera if there's something about that display that's then not letting the, the camera work through. But, I mean, who knows? We, you know, And I think we don't know that all of these companies using the same tech and the same approach. And there's probably gonna be some slight deviations in the ways they're all approaching this. Cause it's also new. Um, Xiaomi's the only one that's really said anything. I guess Oppo maybe has a bit about like technically how this stuff is working. ZTE has said basically nothing. I think I haven't really seen any words on the, on the technical side of what they're achieving. Um, how long do you expect it'll be before uh, Western markets see a phone with this technology? Do you reckon we'll see one in 2020? No. I guess it depends. Maybe someone's got a surprise for Aoife, um, which is possible because one of my thoughts was it's very interesting. The timing of this launch is September 1st, which is like two days before Aoife. Um, obviously, it's a Chinese launch, so they wouldn't launch it at Aoife because Aoife is generally used for European or, or global launches. So it makes sense they're not doing it at Aoife. But you can't help but wonder if maybe they know someone else is launching something at Aoife and they want to make yeah. sure they're first. And doing it two days before EFA guarantees their first. So that might, maybe that means Xiaomi or Oppo actually do have something up their sleeves for, for that first week of September. Could also which... be another company that's just kept things very, very secret somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Be. Like I said, Vivo loved to like pull off these silly technical things. So if, if anyone was going to do it, I wouldn't be surprised if Vivo turned around and, and suddenly dropped a, a phone with, with this tech in. Yeah, I, I still think that's an outside chance. I think we'll see it 2021. Yeah. But definitely yeah. 2021. I'd be shocked if there wasn't one week by next year. That would be crazy if, if, if someone's got it ready. Um, and the other interesting thing, actually, we so we don't have official specs for this phone, but there was a um, it was registered with the sort of Chinese broadcast certification thing or something. I can't remember the name of it. Um, so we have basically an idea of what the specs are. And it, they're in that upper mid-range lower end flagship space we've seen which is interesting they haven't gone all in this isn't a super super premium device it's a snapdragon 765g rather than an 865 or an 865 plus uh, i think it went up to 12 gig of ram and stuff like that so it's a 64 meg camera i think it's like a quad camera setup yeah um but anyway so there's it's 
good specs by by all means. I don't want to suggest that's bad, but it's probably in that pricing where in the UK or the US you'd expect it to be six seven hundred um, rather than a grand. It's not doesn't seem to be positioning as that kind of like you know top flagship space, which is interesting for something with this crazy new tech in right. Yeah, estimated cost right now based like expectations uh, place it equivalent to about four hundred pounds, but that is obviously the Chinese price. Yeah, if it was to come over here, it would always cost a hell of a lot more. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the conversions are brutal. I would imagine Uh, at least five fifty, maybe more. At least, I think I get more than that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, with a bit of luck, it does turn up in like the part, like the the Axon Ten you were talking about. Maybe it turns up somewhere in 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 Europe, and that means we can sneak our way into getting our hands on one. Mm. That would be a lot of fun, but we'll see. Uh, Ark in the comments asks, what's our take on Samsung giving superior processors, i.e. the Snapdragon 765 Plus to... 865 Plus. 865, sorry, yeah, that's right. Um, To the Note in markets like the US, whereas everyone else gets the older, less good Exynos. I mean, I think... I think we spoke about this briefly last week when you were talking about the note. So I'm a I don't bit wanna... salty about it. I tweeted yeah. about it. That's how salty I was about it. <laughs> I mean, I think, Tony, you are the best person to talk about this because you reviewed yeah. the Ultra with the, with the Exynos 990. Yeah, I guess I guess my main thing is that there was already a disparity between the 865 on the S20 range, not the Plus model, just the regular one, and the Exynos 990. Now we have the Note phones. The 865 Plus powered Note actually gets even creates an even bigger gap between that and the Exynos 990 powered note. Yeah. I think Samsung should either have just put the 865 plus in the note everywhere in the world. Yeah. I think there's something going on behind the scenes, maybe from like a contract or legal standpoint that's stopping mm-hmm. them. Um, and, or actually um, they make the Exynos version a little bit cheaper because it kind of converts mm-hmm. to about the same right now. And technically you're just getting, mm-hmm. I mean, like we, I chatted with our guys, our colleagues at PC world in the U S and they're, snapdragon powered note is getting up to an hour or so more battery life out of it which is a pretty huge deal when you're yeah, paying yeah. 12 to 1300 dollars for a phone i think the problem for samsung is they can't drop prices because they want to be premium they want mm-hmm. to be expensive there's like a messaging thing around it's it's more desirable if it costs more so the moment they sort of do a european one that's a lower price people start turning their noses off about it is i guess the worry for them even if, yeah, yeah that would definitely a processor then. So, yeah, just put the bloody Snapdragon in. <laughs> would their counter-argument be that, like, there may be people out there who will buy the flagship phone, but they don't necessarily, you know, know too much about the oh, difference sure. between these two processors, and that I, would be their counter-argument? I think a lot of people buying it have no idea. They don't know yeah. what processor is in their phone. They don't know what Exynos is. They don't know what Snapdragon is. They, they all... just know that it's a like, note. Does it run fast? Yes, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, it's only, uh, you know, the tech savvy people that will know or care. And I always, you know, I think we're obviously in a bubble of that, but I always wonder how much of, you know, what they, they get millions and millions of sales. So how many people are actually, how many of those are actually people who know what an Exynos is? Yeah. My guess is the note market is either tech heads who know what the note is like inside and out or yeah. Just want the best. Well off luxury, want the best, you know, it is probably one of the best phones in the market right now, I would say. Mm -hmm. The experience the Exynos One gives is still really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It does feel a bit unfair though. So yeah. yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, 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 I get so. feeling salty about it. And I can salty. see why people it, people who know oh, this great. stuff, <clears throat> I, I can see why you'd really hesitate before buying an Exynos version. Hmm. Yeah, right. Cool. Um, I think it's probably time to let Lewis loose on the movie launch. <laughs> Lucis. <laughs> Here it is. I've been waiting to show you this whole podcast here it is look so yeah so this is the nubia watch this is the what you call it second generation dom or, kind of it's not it's, it was always unclear if the alpha was a prototype or a yeah. product um yeah so uh, let's explain so dom uh looked at the original from was it last year yeah, yeah last oh. year mwc i think i can't it remember seems like oh. so long ago now <laughs> um yeah it was just sort of surprise reveal the nubia alpha this first a smartwatch with a flexible panel, um, basically the same size as that one. It's a four-inch four inch OLED panel. Um, what was weird about the Alpha in part was they kept calling it a phone. So like their pitch was, it's a phone for your wrist. Um, and it's a terrible phone, a really, really awful phone. Not a great watch either, but a really terrible phone. <laughs> um, they've, they've learned that, calling this one yeah. the Nubia watch. They, they, they've not mentioned anything about it being a smartphone replacement yeah. this time around. 
So fact, it's, it's not even got the eSIM outside of China, like right, outside yeah, of China, exactly. it's Bluetooth only. Yeah, a big part of the pitch before was eSIM support and all of that, and the idea that you would use it as your phone, ditch your phone to do that, it was not good enough, anywhere near good enough for that, for anyone. Um, <clears> but the basic concept was the same as what the watch, the, the watch that Lewis is holding is. It was basically yeah. this slightly flexible OLED panel, not something that properly folds, but it just sort of wraps around your wrist a yeah, little so bit. like a slight, slight flex to it. So you, you know, there, there is the display. I hope you can see this properly. Yeah. yeah, it has got a bit of give at the bottom of both sides, so it helps wrap around your wrist and get a bit of a snugger fit than you'd expect. Mm -hmm. But um, the the challenges for the first one, I'll, I'll sort of say what I thought about the Alpha, right, and then yeah. you can it. go on the watch. The challenges for the first one were it was absolutely enormous. Like, and I think Lewis is going to moan that this one's too big too. But I can <laughs> say no the, the Alpha was almost <laughs> twice the size. It was an absolutely enormous watch. Uh, it weighed as much as most phones. Um, yeah. And you could be carrying that on your wrist all day, like really, really unpleasant. Um, so it was big. As a result, it was a bit ugly. It still had that cool sci-fi vibe, but it was lessened by how chunky and chunky it was. It, had, it had a camera stuff, on the like, side, didn't it? It had a camera on the front. So you could, because again, it was a replacement for your phone. Phones yeah. have cameras. So they had to fit this, I don't know, it was like five megapixels or something like that. photo like this. Yeah. 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 Awful, <laughs> it was about here, the equivalent of here, wasn't it, Dom? Yeah. So it added a so, bulk yeah. on the side for this awful quality camera that you would never use. Um, and so, so too big and too clunky looking, but really cool in concept. And then software wise, <laughs> because it's this weird shape, because of all of that, it can't run like Wear OS nicely. So they had to put in their own software, which is essentially, again, this is kind of clearly where they came from the phone thing was, it's essentially just a custom Android ROM. Like they just yeah. built an Android skin that fits for, you know, because that's closer to the shape and size of a phone screen than a watch screen, really. So they built this custom software and it's not very good. <laughs> I was trying to be like, oh, it's just okay. It's it's not good. It's just bad software. Going for your head like, what, what's good about this? What's good? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Can't think of anything. <laughs> and so my when I came away from the Alpha, I was like, I love this concept. I want to see more watches like this. I want to see these sort of screens that wrap around. I loved it. I loved the look of it in a lot of ways. But I was like, it needs to be way smaller. And the software needs to actually work. And I was sort of like, they're going to make a second one. And the second one's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like Lewis is going to break my heart. <laughs> Uh, yeah, prepare yourself for disappointment. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, because I remember when you got the first Gen 1 in the office and I saw it and I was like, that looks amazing. Look at this flexible display, got a camera on it. And then, yeah, you're like, yeah, don't, don't get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask um, which then, yes. version with the Alpha? Was it the... Because it's already a pretty flashy product. The Alpha was anyway. I'm, mm. I, that one looks pretty flashy too. But you could get it in gold as yeah, well. I, they oh, they did not give me the uh, gold-plated oh, one, man. sadly. I didn't have the full-on bling version. They just gave me go the big regular go metal home. one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this is the new one. This is the uh, the uh, Nubia watch. It's on Kickstarter at the moment. It has yep. hit its goal, very low goal. So it will be shipping in October to whoever backs it. And I'm not sure if it's actually still available right now, but when I looked, you could actually pick it up for $200, which is half of the RRP. Yep. At that price... Is a little bit tempting because you know it is a very nice flexible OLED, you know, four inch display. It, it is very nice quality. I think that's basically the only thing it's got going for it is that cool display. I mean, it is slimmer than the one that Dom had. It's I, a lot slimmer. It's a lot slimmer, yeah. Uh, and it which, weighs which, less than 100 grams, 98 yep. grams. So yeah. it is a lot lighter as well. Wow. So I'll so those say, looking at it, one thing I didn't realize until sort of just now seeing you wave it around, clearly part of where they'd save that weight is that looks like a silicon or rubber strap or something. Yep. Yep. Whereas ah. before it was a metal band. It was a stainless steel one, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Nice. So I think a good chunk of that weight saving is just swapping out the metal band for for whatever that is. Um, yeah, it's just a silicon kind of uh, yeah. strap. Can I just say, how is the fit on it? Because the first thing that came through my mind when I was looking at the pictures in the review was I was like, you said it's a it's four inch screen, right? Yeah. So I looked at my own wrist and I have the wrist of a four year old, right? Yeah. So I just think that this whole thing would just not, yeah, no, it just it's a very fit. good point. It's a very good point. So on me, I, I won't do it up so you can just see. So it, it fits quite well yeah. On, yeah. on my wrist. Um, yeah. But I gave it to my friend uh, to try on and she also has absolutely tiny wrists and it, it kind of went around like that on her yeah. wrist. It and would, it, it would yeah. go like all the way around here, which yeah. is yeah. And there's kind of extra, there was a kind of extra gaps on the sides. It didn't fit as well on the small wrist. So I do think this is kind of aimed towards people with bigger wrists yeah <laughs> like i think me. yeah yeah <laughs> um but i mean yeah so so yeah looking at it is very cool uh and people will notice it and they will be like oh what's that on your wrist and then you'll kind of show them be like, oh that's cool especially when you do that 
Oh, people love that. So do I, though, to be fair. <laughs> so I keep doing it whenever it's in the van. Oh my God, it's amazing. I feel for the people listening um, to the audio version of this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry about this. What is he doing? Oh my God. You need to know. On camera? On YouTube. <laughs> Watch us live. <laughs> um, so yeah, the hardware, you know, the build quality is nice. I'm not going to say anything bad about the build quality. It is just a bit tall off the wrist. So it, I did catch it on things as I was kind of, uh, yeah. you know, going about my day. Uh, and that's not really something I ever had with my Apple Watch or with the Samsung Galaxy Watch that I've been reviewing recently as well. But I can get over that. You know, I can deal with that. You can adjust to these kind of things as you go. But what I can't adjust to is the software. Right. I, I'm going to go. I've got to put out a disclaimer right now that I am using the Chinese version uh, of, of the Nubia Watch software. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the PRs have said that there will be an international version coming out at some point in September. So that's so the Kickstarter ahead one. Of, so that'll be the international. That'll be the one that everyone gets from Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there'll be some slight changes to this os uh, it's still the exact same os right. it's just um this one is basically <clears throat> a direct translation from mandarin so there are kind of uh, grammar issues in there and stuff like that and there's also a bunch of kind of apps focused at the chinese market so you've got things like alipay that obviously we don't really care about yeah um and the notification i think the, my, my biggest gripe is the notifications and that is one thing that won't really change with the international version so when you get notifications it's you, you you feel the vibrate on your wrist, but when you look at the watch, it doesn't show you anything. There's, there's no like actual notification yeah. animation or anything like that. You then have to swipe up from the bottom. If you can do this, yeah. Yeah. And then you can see a little tiny, tiny thing. That's just, that's, that's kind of like a little preview of your notification. And then if you want to yeah. read it, you have to tap it again to then expand it. And that's just a headache. I, like, I was rereading my review of the Alpha and rem- remembering the notification I had, headache I had with that. So I'm curious if any of these gripes are still the case as a sort yeah, of little yeah. snapshot of what things have improved, maybe. So first headache I had with the Alpha was you had to manually add apps to the list that could send notifications. So at first I was like, I'm getting no notifications on this thing. It turned yeah. out apps weren't allowed for you by default. You had to manually go and add them in so you can give me notifications. I think um, that is the case on Android still. Uh, I'm using it with the iPhone. So on iPhone, it's just system apps. Yeah. Like everything comes through to the watch and there's no way you can personalize it. Like you can with right, fine. And other things. Um, second gripe was, and I'm confident this would still be the same, basically no way to interact with notifications. You can oh, yeah, read no. them, but because yeah. it's not got tight app integration, like you can't actually reply to messages no. or, or uh, do there, like there is, there is they, they do say that there is going to be support for Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Okay. Uh, and line in terms of notifications, but I don't under I don't know how deep that's going to go. I don't know if it's going to offer you any kind of interaction with your notifications for those apps. Yeah. Uh, that's something that we're going to have to wait and see. They, they they did say they're going to try and get me onto the international software when it's released, uh, so yeah. I can have a little look at it, so I can report back in a few weeks, hopefully, and cool. have a bit of a better opinion on the notifications. But I can't lie, that's not the only bad thing about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, on, on the back, you can see that it's got a heart rate monitor, which means it does fitness tracking. And it's also got built-in GPS, which is actually quite nice. Uh, the problem I have with the fitness tracking, A, is that it's really basic. You've got four um, uh, kind of exercises that you can track. Let me just get this open here. So you've got free workout, anything, outdoor walking, indoor running, or outdoor running. That's it. That's mm-hmm. all you've got. Mm. So compare that to other $400, you know, smartwatches where they do swimming yeah. and, you know, absolutely everything. I saw that and I was like, huh, okay, we're not dealing with the same kind of thing here. So, but do you know what? I've, I've gotten into my running recently. I thought, let's try it. I'm going to, I put this on and I put my Apple watch on my other wrist and I've actually put the Galaxy watch on as well. I just wanted to get all of the data uh, just to kind of compare how they'd all perform. And the, the Apple watch and the Galaxy watch were basically, the results were basically the same. This, however recorded a kilometer less how long was the run kilometer it was uh 3.97 kilometers and then on this it was like 2.9 oh wow so a a kilometer after four kilometers is is a quarter of the run that's quite important yeah you weren't you weren't doing like a marathon and it missed one kilometer off that (laughs) i think it's got something to do with um it the it's got auto pause tech for when you're kind of mid-workout and and if you stop Uh... completely it will pause but i don't think it's very good because i did feel a few times where i was you know, I was, it was, I called it a brisk walk, you know, just get my breath <laughs> between my segments of running. Just, you know, just have a little, you know, a little power walk. And I did notice that it would pause during those segments, even though I'm still moving. The GPS knows that I'm still moving, but it was like, no, you're not moving fast enough. So we're not going to count that. It's just trying to incentivize you, Lewis. It's trying to get you running faster. It's like, no, go, go now. <laughs> 
but yeah, so it was it was a bit yeah. I, and and uh, aside from the fact that it doesn't track very many exercises, the ones it does track, it doesn't do very well at. It doesn't give you things like cadence uh, and kind of things like that. It's just very basic in terms of the uh, the things that you'll get. So you'll get kind of overall distance. You'll get a split. You'll get maximum heart rate, but not much beyond that essentially. Yeah, the, the indoor running ones really confuse me. I guess for athletes, maybe. <laughs> like, but it just seems like a very niche one to do. You'd think they'd include, like, yeah. you know, like climbing or cycling anything, or just something. Anything else. Like, yeah, cycling yeah. would have been a great one. Yeah. But no, it's just, yeah. So the fitness, if you want it for fitness, don't get it. Mm-hmm. Is, is kind of the advice. If you want a fitness focused thing, uh, at a similar price, Apple Watch or the Galaxy Watch uh, are way better for your price. And obviously, then you've also got all the Fitbit range at a much cheaper price point. Doesn't have to curve display, but you know it's much more advanced in that department. How um, is it sluggish at all in terms of performance? Because one of the things that caught my eye is it uses the the Snapdragon Wear twenty one hundred chip, yeah. which is the not the latest one. Uh, that's actually the same that was in the Alpha. And even at the time it was in the Alpha a year ago, it was not the latest. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that a year on it's using the exact same chip. You know, yeah, it's quite disappointing when you consider that a lot of the watches out now are on the 3100. And so, so I think it was 2017 when the 2100 came out. So it is, you know, a fairly old chipset at this point. Um, I mean, it's not sluggish. I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm lagging around everywhere. There are times where it does stutter when you're kind of changing the watch face and then and, and kind of more graphically intense things on screen. You will get mm-hmm. a bit of a, oh, oh, hang on, give me a second. I need to catch my breath. But yeah, generally speaking, you're not going to notice too much in terms of performance issues. Uh, and I think that's probably true of most watches because what are you really doing on a watch that, that requires yeah. a lot of power? <laughs> you know, yeah, I think I also, actually one thing I got is, I want to showcase is the barrage mode. I think oh, this yeah. is a mistranslation because it makes absolute zero sense to me. Uh, but it's called barrage. That's, that's the app. And then when you open it, you can choose a bunch of different graphics. I mean, it is a barrage of graphics. It is <laughs> they, a, they, an absolute barrage. <laughs> and, and then so you just have this. So for, so for people listening, essentially it awesome. just turns the entire watch face into, I mean, Lewis has got like a pulsing triangles. Yeah, it's um, like an EDM like rave on your wrist. Kind of, yeah. I, I yeah. imagine these are good for like nights out, yeah. but nothing else. Yeah, there is actually one that is allegedly, um, it reacts to the sound of music. But there's a Matrix one as the well, film isn't there? Specifically. There's one that does like... Music, oh, yeah. music, music. And there's then, one that yeah, does there's, like there's the Matrix, Matrix code yeah. running down the screen. And then there we go. Uh, or kind of like it, yeah. And they get sued very for that? nerdy stuff, we love it, don't we? We love it. <laughs> and you can actually customize your own on the on the app. Uh, you oh, can make cool. your own ones as well. Yeah, so you've got like a couple of them pre-built. But if that is your kind of thing, I don't know what it will be for. Please enlighten me in the yeah, comments. I mean, one one thing to flag for people listening to the podcast and describing that you'll know I didn't mention that there's like pulsing LED rave triangles around the clock. There is no clock on no. this mode. Despite this being a watch, it turns off the clock when you turn this on. Literally. What so are you, you going to do? Yeah, I, it seems really weird to me. It I is the most understand. unabashedly like geeky, gadgety watch. Oh, yeah, it's watch I think yeah, I've ever seen. And then, you know, it does look great when it, when you do find an app that does use the entire display, Doesn't like it? on the, the health app. I don't think it's going to work today because <laughs> I'm not really been wearing it. But um and so you'll kind of, it just kind of, all the details will scroll up and off the screen and yeah. kind of come in from the bottom. And that is just a really nice little effect. That's cool. Uh, I, but there aren't many apps that have that much information on screen at one time to be able to showcase that kind of effects. Like most mm-hmm. of them are just, you know, they're, they're based on the central display yeah. and there's nothing really going on at the top or the bottom. Do you think we'd see other manufacturers trying to adopt this sort of thing in the future? Or do you think it's just not even worth <laughs> trying to like, you know, go into that sort of space? You know, I like the idea behind it. Like, you know, the extra screen, uh, the extra screen space without having to have a display that runs up your arm is always going to be welcome. But I've also found that it depends on how you look at your watch. Uh, so things that are on top on that side, I, I'd miss most of that because I don't ever look directly at my watch when it's on. It's always kind of at an angle where I'm looking at the bottom segment and this segment. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, I think this is an interesting way for smartwatches to go in the future but i think it is really early doors still like i think the manufacturers need to work out how people are going to interact with these things and then design something around that because yeah yeah the I tech think... is cool but nah. do you Software, guys know it... the, the sony fez watch no no idea oh it was a it was a partnership with uh, like the royal college of art or like the design museum or something or other it's a full e-ink watch but it's literally the face and the strap are all it's just one continuous piece of screen so it's mo- it's right, monochrome, yeah. 
um, but it can relay information anywhere on, yeah, and, nice and you could like technically that. buy it, um, but it was only available like from the design museum or something. I really wanted one, but I do see the value in having, especially if it's rich data, like not just the time further around your wrist like that. Mm. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I, they also, they, they, one of the things I remember the alpha doing was for the main, just home screen, like the watch display, just for the time you could drag its default position so that it would sit on the lower bit of the screen oh, that's cool. oh, so okay. that you don't have to, you know, it's such a small thing, but you don't yeah. have to turn yeah. your hand towards you to see the time. It will sit on the bit that you're naturally sort of glancing at and you see the time on that bit on the side of your wrist. Yeah, um, I, I do think we're going to see more smartwatches like this. I don't think they're, I don't think it's like the future of smartwatches in that I don't think all smartwatches are going to look like this. I think if nothing else, sort of fitness and rugged space will never go for this much screen. But I totally think someone else is going to come along and make stuff like this. I think everyone's just kind of letting Nubia fumble around with it first. Yeah. yeah. But I think that flexible screen on. tech has been such a big thing in the phone space that I, I cannot believe that people like Samsung and other manufacturers aren't, aren't looking at how to incorporate that into watches. And I think it's such a cool look and it is so deeply sci-fi. Oh, yeah. That we're definitely going to see more. I just think no one else... I think I think other companies are probably still in the early R and D stages, and they're not ready to make it public yet. And maybe Nubia was a bit more willing yeah, yeah. to sort of um, fail publicly at it, whereas <laughs> other people wanted to fail sort of quietly in R and D labs and then get better like that. Um, so I think yeah, we'll I see just more. But thinner. that's all I want. Just give me a thinner one. Make yeah, it thinner. Those those bits around the side they need yeah. to be like if the screen was more just more. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's essentially the same takeaway I had from the alpha, but like not as severe. So I came away from the alpha and I said, I want it to be thinner and I want the software to be better. And they have made it thinner and they have made the software better. (laughs) They just haven't done enough on either. (laughs) So it's like, cool, you're doing the right thing. You're going in the right direction. Please just keep going. Make another one next year and it'll be a bit better. And like, like maybe buy the Watch 5 or have something that I yeah. actually want to buy. <laughs> like, I, I gave the Alpha two stars out of five. Lewis has given the Watch two and a half stars out of five. Yeah. So if we can just keep up? going in these half star increments, <laughs> then in a few years, we're going to have a five star Nubia watch. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. I tell you. <laughs> please, please work on the software. Cool. Right. I think that is enough of that. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's anything else sitting in the comments that we need to address. So, uh, yeah, thank you to everyone who's been watching or listening if you're on the podcast. Um, we will be back next week. I, I'll be up front. I have a feeling next week's going to be a little slow as well because is the week after that. And I think that's why no one really wants to announce things because there's going to be a week full of announcements after that. So uh, do some show and tell or something, you know, everyone's yeah. working on their projects now. Okay, we'll just, we've got a week. We'll put on a vaudeville show or something. <laughs> Lewis macaroni Lewis picture. Dance. It's going to be great. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, as always, jump in the comments if you've got any other questions for us. Uh, hit the like, subscribe, notification bell, all that rubbish. And yeah, thanks. Thanks. Thanks to everyone for being on there. Bye. Yeah. Bye. See you later, guys.